Hey boss, hey boss, give me the boobies. I want the booby game. I got a game for you with the boobs if you want it. Yeah, I want the booby game, boss. Give me the booby game. I gotta go to a guy. Yeah, what? The guy? Yeah, the booby game guy. The booby game guy, right. Okay. Yeah. We're playing Dragon's Crown. you lovely people in internet land and welcome to episode 54 of Game Life Balance Australia. I'm your host Robert Bailey and I'm joined as always by the winner of the Academy Award for Participation and Effort, Andrew A.C. Yoshimura. Well apparently I'm a millennial so I got exactly what I deserve, damn it. (laughs) I participated in only the Academy Award ceremony, not in any movie or anything (laughs) like that. I just turned up and I said I demand something. Mm-hmm. And then they beat me over the head with a gold statue and said, there you go. <laughs> yep, sounds about right. Well, you can go and sulk about that in your safe space, you lousy <laughs> millennial. But am I a millennial? Because I was born in 80... We're both born in 1981, so you can, you know how old we are. I don't think we count as millennials, I see. I think I think when people envisage millennials, they envisage someone a lot younger than us, and child, yeah. more childless than us, perhaps. And Well, that's yeah. the thing, like because we used to be called Generation Y. Mm. Uh, it went like uh, baby boomers, Generation X, then Generation Y. But then yeah. people stopped using Generation Y and went millennials. And yeah. it's like when when we were growing, we don't we didn't have no participation trophies or safe spaces. No, definitely not. Uh, it, we just usually got the crap beaten out of us by <laughs> by fellow students. Yep, a grand tradition in Australia and everywhere else in the world. Yeah, we just had knives that people took to school. <laughs> And, like, extremely dangerous fireworks that seemingly got into the hands of, like, six-year-old kids and stuff like that. Oh, so. I love those fireworks. Yeah. Those fireworks were so much fun. I don't know where the kids these days have access to those No, they don't. Like, so. the ACT, where we live, was, like, the last holdout yeah. of, like, buying fireworks legally in Australia. Mm. Now you can just buy them illegally. I mean, I say fireworks, but the ones I really miss and, and, and sort of reminisce about a lot... They're really more just like small bombs. You know, there weren't there wasn't any sort of spectacle to it. No, no, it was just blowing up a small part of your nation, really, yeah, wasn't it? Exactly <laughs> right. Like you just demolish someone's letterbox. That was basically what they were good for. So I, I don't know if we are that generation. Like mm. I like I think we're just just young enough, just all like too young to be Generation X. So we're this yeah. kind of this in betweeny. And I think people started saying Zennials, as in kind of okay. Generation X. I don't like any of those terms, really. Yeah. Uh, I just... It's just like we're, we're kind of ill-defined because we did grow up with the internet mm. in some ways. Yeah. Like, but we can, we can very much remember a time before the internet. We can, but we yeah. also shaped the internet because we were, at, we were the teenagers who kind of bought the internet. Mm-hmm. Into its own sort of language and everything like that. Like, like that's lol, that was us. We, we did that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like, while our parents were kind of making their first forays online, we'd already kind of, like, mastered the terrain, if you like, and kind of, you know... We moulded it into our own image, which was, yeah. um, our ex- you know, our need for porn, <laughs> which is what really... The internet is based off. Again, kids these days don't know what patience means when you're waiting for that, that image to kind of like, you know, slowly make its way down the On your, the on your one, 128k modem. Yeah, that's right. I remember getting a 56k modem was like the height of luxury in 1996. Yeah. Gosh, back in the days, hey, I see. Well, this isn't a, this isn't a nostalgia reminiscing about crappy technology podcast. This is a <laughs> gaming lifestyle podcast. That's right. And uh, depending on whether Rob actually decided to include 
the sound test, which mm-hmm. we do every episode at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Atlas's Dragon's Crown. Okay, Rob, you you got to tell us the facts. Tell us the facts about the booby game. <laughs> sure. Well, as everyone listening knows, we are primarily a fact-based podcast. <laughs> uh, we make everything up. It's just nobody's called us out on it yet. <laughs> None of the games we've covered are actually real. Um, <laughs> Mario, fake. <laughs> that's right. It's actually just a figment of our imagination. Uh, yeah, so this game, uh, Dragon's Crown, came out um, for the PS3 and the Vita um, in 2013. So it was a very late release for the PS3. Yeah, yeah, towards the end of the um, the PS3's uh, life cycle. Um, Which is kind of a very Atlas thing to do, Atlas being the publisher there. Yes, they do often bring out games, like, if not at the end of the console's life, then, like, after it's actually dead. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the Atlas, um, the developer... Um, uh, sorry, not the developer, the publisher. Mm. They have a lot of um, goodwill built up. Um, in both Japan and in the West. So people are prepared to tolerate their like late releases of games and, and check them out. Did you know blow the dust off your PS2 and chuck in Persona 4 and see what it's like. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, so I think people are prepared to give them a bit of um bit of room to yeah. Their games are always late delayed. You know, but to be fair, they're very polished. Yes. I think when they come out. That's um, true. Especially that- especially in terms of art direction. Yeah, I think that's true with this game too. Um not saying that it's not Without its flaws, it definitely has flaws. We'll go into that. But, Booby game. <laughs> but it is um, it is a very well-polished, stylish, slick kind of production, I would say. Mm. Um, yeah. So do you want to tell us about what this game actually is, AC? Or? Yeah, this game is Golden Axe. <laughs> <laughs> Full <Sorry>. stop. <laughs> Turn the, the podcast off. Okay. So if this is a basically a, uh, a modern take on the beat-em-up or hack-and-slash genre. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for those who aren't in the know, Golden Axe is a, a originally a Sega arcade game. But it's set in kind of a medieval high fantasy mm-hmm. sort of uh, world or era, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah. And uh, this kind of takes this concept and just runs with it to mm-hmm. the nth extreme. Yeah. So, you can t- uh, pick one of six uh, characters. So, mm-hmm. there's like barbarians, knights... Well, barbarian knight, kind of like a, a rogue, mm-hmm. uh, like a thief, roguish thief, and like a sorceress, I think, yep. and a dwarf. Yep. So you can choose, and half of them are women, and we'll also get to that. <laughs> uh, and you go around and you beat the ever-loving shit out of people <laughs> and well, dragons yeah. and whatever stands in your way. We have killed, We did kill a few people. I mean, mainly we killed like. Green, guys with green skin. And yeah. Like, and, yeah. Uh, so most of them are kind of orcs or gnomes or uh, like there's dragons in there as well. Yeah. Subterranean D&D enemies, basically. Yeah. 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 There's, a, there's a lot of D&D in here. Yes. So uh, the art direction is kind of what really sells this game. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. The controls for this game are very responsive. Yeah. Like uh, it feels good. You've got like a pickup button. You've got an attack button if you hold down attack you block although we never use that that particular function <laughs> uh, your weapons do break or deteriorate at the very least so you need to get them repaired mm. uh, and that's kind of where there's a bit more rpg elements in here yeah so you and i were primarily playing this as the hack and slash beat em up which we're more akin to. Yes. But when you finish those levels, uh, you get equipment and you get gold, which you can use to buy and get 
weapons appraised and equip better things and level up that way. Yeah. Whereas we, for the first six levels, were just using the same weapons. And mm. we noticed that on the last boss fight, which took us like uh, like half an hour, <laughs> the Minotaur, not the very last one of the game, the last one we played, yeah. it took ages mm. to do that. We went, oh, yeah, that's right. We need to get our weapons repaired. We're basically kind of like dumb. hitting them with blunt, blunted swords. Um, yeah. No wonder the Minotaur took a while to... Yeah, basically hitting with the hilt. Yeah. <laughs> Just like bashing him over the head. Yeah. Um, so, look, the art is beautiful in a way. Yes. Um, so it's very rich. It almost looks like watercolours. Yeah, that's right. And uh, there's kind of got a soft, kind of almost pastel, uh, very medieval-esque look about it. Kind of high fantasy. Yeah. And the characters, the backgrounds are very luscious. Yeah, totally. There's a lot of parallax scrolling and and just very colourful and gorgeous. Mm. And yeah, it does look, as you said, like hand-drawn or like painted. Um, yeah, kind of cel-shaded or something like or hand-painted. It, it definitely has the look mm. of the high fantasy and uh, what we would call the side of a panel van <laughs> yeah, from the 1980s when people would draw or paint uh, like mur- murials of uh, just like barbarians and buxom wenches. Yeah, like the, the like, chainmail bikinis is yes, basically what you... Yes. Yep. <laughs> so this is where we hit the problem with this game. Yeah. Right? So the men in this game are kind of very barbarian-esque. Mm. They just like massive chunks of meat with like, you know, it's not even six packs. It's like a, like 18 packs. They've got like 18, 18 abs. Yeah. And like their necks are huge. It's like a pyramid. Yeah. They're very top heavy. They are like, they, they didn't just skip leg day. It's like they broke their legs and came back on crutches the next day. Um, the women, though, have been grotesquely exaggerated I think is the fairest way to put it yeah whereas in Golden Axe you did have the women the you know like the woman in the bikini mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, all the women are scantily clad mm. uh, and they just have breasts which <laughs> are just about three feet in front of their body yeah and their asses are three feet behind their body yeah and of course they've got the skinniest waist ever and of course, you know, these things don't sag or droop. Um, they're held on by the tiniest metal bikini ever, which <laughs> defies gravity. So that's obviously the magic of this world. This was the controversy when the game came out. Yeah. Yeah. I, perhaps I can speak a bit about that. Um, yeah. Feel free to chime in. Um, so when it came out, um, a lot of critics, um, you know, took, took issue with the... Uh, the depictions of women in the game, because mm. um, as as you've said, they are you know very disproportionate, highly exaggerated, yeah. and it's very much it's very much in the vein of um, you know being titill- the idea I, I assume was to be extremely titillating and 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 exciting for for men to to see you know um, and that would be like a selling point for the game in a way that like look at the sexy ladies in the game you know um, but that's the problem here yeah. is that they went too far yeah like all the women kind of look the same other than different hair and like their body types all seem to be identical uh, yeah um, yes to, there's one's more muscly than the other and yeah. one's more booby than the other and yeah. one's more like lolly than the other um, which is a gross word but I'm going to use it mm-hmm. um, uh, because it's Japan yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah. so look um, I, I just think they took that concept a little bit too far and yeah. you know it, it did generate buzz around the game and yeah. that may have been the point but I, I, I think that 
they did this on purpose, but not for that reason. I think they genuinely thought that this was going to be like the next step in like titillation meets uh, the beat 'em up genre. Yeah, and it just kind of in 2013 made uh, especially Western people just kind of a little bit pissed off. Yes, I think it came out at precisely the right time to generate a heck of a lot of controversy and mm. and, and and a lot of discussion um, came up around this game, um, particularly because of this of this issue where, um, uh, like, it, it 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 brings to the fore this issue of uh, am I going to judge this game holistically, like taking mm. everything into consideration, including the art style. And give my opinion based on that, or am I going to kind of separate things out and kind of go, well, the gameplay is good, and if we ignore the art style, then it's really good, you mm. know? Um, and like where where individual critics landed in that question was a big determinant in what the score review scores of the game were. Yeah, um, but like there was a bit of a divide there. Yeah, yeah. Like there were there were a lot of publications at the time that gave it like nine out of ten, eight point five out of ten. Some mm. people gave it six. Some people gave it five, six point five. Yeah, the, they were kind of all over the place, and they agreed that the gameplay itself was fine. Mm. Like it was solid. It was just a beat 'em up, a bit boring at times, and I would agree with that assessment. Mm. But like the art style is. Like, it is beautiful, mm. except when you get to these particular characters. <laughs> That's when it kind of falls on its ass. Yeah. So you can't even really separate the art style because it was all very purposefully done. Yeah. And I think, like, I'm going to go out on a limb here and kind of assume that what they were going for was a really exaggerated turn the dial up to 11 high fantasy. Like, the fantasy art that was coming out in the 80s a lot, which was very much in the chainmail bikinis women with not much on being kind of menaced by monsters in that sort of, you know, like slightly creepy way that, you know, um, and then that's what they wanted to go for. And they totally went for it. Um, the problem being that, um, they went, they they really turned the dial up to 11. I can't stress that enough. It's, it's not the same. It's not the same as eighties fantasy art. It's, it's, it's really pushing that to an extreme. Um, and, uh, and it's it's a shame in a way because the art, like as you've said, the art is actually really really good. It is a beautiful game um, for and, the most part, and it's the biggest selling point. Mm. Weirdly, of the game is the its biggest selling point is also its biggest like detractor, if, if you like. Yeah, it, it's an odd one. We won't yeah. dwell on this. Like we've already dwelled on it enough. We probably um, mentioned it enough, but maybe yeah. we should talk about more about how the game actually plays. Again, I'm worried about like separating these things out. Uh, but, so I'll, I'll just go into the history a little bit here. So yeah. uh, George Kamitani um, actually worked, and this won't surprise you, on Dungeons & Dragons Tower of Doom by Capcom. Mm-hmm. All right, And you notice that there are a lot of similarities between that classic beat-em-up and this game as yeah, well. Yeah, just because that D&D, that, that game, Tower of Doom, mm. it introduced a little bit of RPG elements into into the beat-em-up formula. Yeah. And this game is very much that, you know? It is. Uh, yeah. And, and this game does offer you choices, like, but I don't think the choices actually matter. Yeah. It's one of those things where you're given a choice and you can, like, stay and fight or, oh, my God, maybe I should just do what this guy says or whatever. And you always choose the, the fight one because otherwise it would be pretty boring. But I don't think it would change anything. Mm. Like, people would still burst into the room anyway. Like, it's not Mass Effect. Like, it doesn't give you that much agency. No, yeah. no. I don't, not at all. Uh, so, look... Uh, the, apparently, George had this idea for the Seeker Saturn, um, but couldn't really find a publisher for it. And then it just time dragged on and on and on. And then uh, he finally managed to to do it 
in the 21st century, mm. like even way after the Dreamcast. Yeah. So, like, I think he's the the technology was about right for this game because it, it does play very good. Mm. The characters are quite large on the screen, I will say. Yeah, big sprites, big, big guys, you know. And, you know, the field yeah. of play is perhaps not as big as you think it is. Yeah. Um, so there's no friendly fire during the game, at least as far as I can tell. Mm. There's so much happening on screen at the same time. Your characters are quite big and the enemies are quite big as well. Mm. So another interesting part of this game is when the... Uh, if you're only playing two players like we were, you can actually have other NPCs in your party. Yeah. So you can kind of like find old bones and resurrect people. Yes. And then they'll become, they'll help you fight. And of course they can be killed. And then after they're, they've been killed, you can't do anything until you resurrect them again, etc. So, mm. which is an interesting idea to help you fight along the way. Yeah. And you get to see some of the characters that you haven't picked, for example. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you and I, I was playing as the fighter and you were playing as the uh, the barbarian. And Rosie, the, the lady barbarian. Yeah. Funny name for a giant hulking um, muscly woman, but Rosie. Mm. But anyway, um, yeah, the there's the dwarf and the elf and stuff. And, you know, if, if you kind of are feeling like, oh, I'm missing out on what these characters are like, well, you can resurrect someone's corpse <laughs> and then and then they can join you and you yeah. can sort of see what their moveset is. And, and So you can go, like you know, you can go back into the tavern and you can do other things. You can, you know, start a new game. I don't think it's a particularly long game. Mm. So I have finished this game before uh, with a friend of the show, Elchan. Was that like a one night, like just smashing through it type yeah, of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was definitely, we did it all in one night. Okay. Um, and I think I was kind of second ringer there. I think a lot of what was going on around me was like better players. Like Elchan was a much better player than I was and mm. was probably doing a lot more with the RPG elements of the game. Yeah. Whereas I was just wanting to play a hack and slash. Yeah. And that's kind of all it did. Mm. But it was fun. You know, I just sat around with a, you know, with a beer and just played through it with him and you know it went on a bit but mm. you know it's still kind of arcadey in that sense i yeah. guess that's the best thing about beat-em-ups because i mean look it's easy to criticize the genre because they're like it can get very boring and very samey totally because that that's a game that's a game style that was developed when the arcades were a thing yeah and you know the whole concept of a beat-em-up really is about taking people's quarters you know yeah. Um, because you get to a point where you just die, and if you want to keep going, well, you chuck in another couple of quarters, and you and you, and you keep and you keep progressing. Um, when you take that kind of concept to the home console, and we're not the first to comment on this, but it's it bears mentioning again, like it's difficult to work out how to make these games hard. Um, yeah, or challenging. You know, when we die in this game, you can just be resurrected. Yeah. pretty quickly. Like you die, you come back. I think you know there there are more difficult characters. There are easier characters, normal characters. Mm. There are different game modes. There are different ways you can play the game. Yeah. depending on what you want to get out of it. But mm. in the end, like um, George was saying in an interview, that he wanted to take the beat 'em up to the next level, mm. and. Other than adding RPG elements and better graphics and everything, mm. and, you know, the gameplay is solid. There's a lot of combos you can perform. Yeah. Like, you know, you can double jump, you can slide, you can... There is, like, a, a massive attack with your weapon, which you lose your weapon for a short period of time. Yeah, yeah. But in the end, uh, it is just a hack and slash. It's still know, a beat-em-up. It's still just day. a beat-em-up, I'm yeah. afraid. Yeah. And it did advance the genre Somewhat, but you don't see a whole lot of other, you know, beat-em-ups coming out now. So. Yeah. If they were going for some sort of groundbreaking thing or, or, or that this would signal the resurgence of the beat-em-up mm. as, as a popular 
style of game. I, I think that's that hasn't happened. Yeah, um, you can kind of count the the memorable ones in the past decade on one hand. Like yeah. I think Scott Pilgrim was pretty popular. Scott's, yes, very good. Um, yes, this this one obviously is 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 well. Let's I don't know about good, but certainly noteworthy and, and important. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, important again is a difficult word, but mm. yeah, you know what I'm saying. It stands out. So, okay, with all of that in mind, would yeah. you recommend that people play this game? So, it is PlayStation PlayStation exclusive, mm. uh, PS3, Vita, and I think there's a um, an advanced version for PS4 that's come out. I don't know what they changed. Uh, we don't have our hands on that version. Yeah. But uh, we played the PS3 one. I have the Vita one as well. And uh, what, what do you think, Rob? Uh, look, it's, it's really tough, like I said earlier, to separate... Mm, the way the game plays and the way it feels and, and, and the systems um, from the, you know, the controversy and the, um, the, the the depiction of women in the game, it's it's challenging, you know? Yeah. So it's it's difficult for me to come out and say, hey, drop everything and go play this game. I don't think I was ever going to give that, this game that review mm. score. Even if, even if the art was less difficult, let's yeah, say, yeah. then I would, I would probably still not give it that glowing recommendation. Um, it is if you're into beat 'em ups though, like you and I, we really liked Golden Axe as kids, and we really liked the, you know, uh, Capcom D and D games, and um, so if you're into beat 'em ups and you want more of that, it's it's definitely one that you know if you're the beat 'em up guy, if you mm. like, then yeah, play it. Um, but it's difficult to recommend for all those all those reasons, um, especially yeah, we're living in a time where. Uh, objectifying imagery of women is is a big hot topic let's yeah. just say and i don't think you and i are particularly well equipped to discuss it or to come down with some wisdom on on the issue but be be forewarned that this is this is so there's some challenging stuff in there that might make you feel uncomfortable or if you have like a significant other that happens to be a female in your life <laughs> they might feel uncomfortable watching you play could, it and you know could be a fence taken there yeah because it is like it's hard to stress enough like it's not just the characters as well like a lot of the npcs just wandering around in the background are very very well endowed um even even like the pixie that you meet yeah. is that looks like it's like obviously like a reference if not straight ripoff of tinkerbell yeah. is oddly sexualized yeah. like bathing in like a like a a, a a, a, a cup of mead with a cherry in its hand, very suggestively. Yeah, at the tavern. Yes, it's 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 oozing with with innuendo, and 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 sometimes it's not even. Well, it's mainly not very subtle at all. No, no, no. So, um, so this game is not going for subtle. <clears throat> but did yeah. you have fun playing the game? Look, I think I think I did. But my, if we're going to talk just strictly about the gameplay, then I think one of the problems I had was that. I don't know that the RPG elements are particularly well integrated into the beat 'em up. Yeah, now that is something that's very true about this game. Yeah, is that um, like we, we were struggling with the menus and the controls just aren't all there. Like mm. they just like it feels good to play when you yeah. hit the right buttons. But there are like odd things like you need the little rogue guy that follows you around to open chests and drawers. And if you use like the right stick to like move this little mouse cursor around, yeah, it's weird. It's, it's not, it doesn't feel very natural at all. You don't really need that guy. You could open it yourself. I know that and mm. the story behind the game is more interesting than most other yeah. uh, beat em up genre. Like there's a bit of political intrigue here about what's going on, you know, mm. in the th- on the throne. And like the dragon's crown itself is meant to be a way to control dragons. Totally. But I don't know. So, so final recommendation. Yeah. Look, um, 
I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way, right? I was not. I avoided playing this game because of all the controversy and issues around it, mm. and I didn't want to be seen by purchasing it, having it on my Steam list or on my like, you know, on my PS4 as like, <laughs> oh, he's this like horny guy who wants to check out scantily clad women, you know. Um, even though I kind of am that kind of guy, I didn't want people <laughs> to think that of me, you know. Um, but but this, you know, you purchasing it and and having me play it, I feel like because I like those D and D games so much, those D and D beat 'em ups. Like it was kind of cool to check out where this, where that style of game has has gone to. Yeah. So if you're that very specific category of someone who really liked Tower of Doom, um, then I would recommend it. But if you're not that very specific person, you know, yeah, maybe give it a miss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about you, AC? Look, I'm I'm in a very similar position to you. Like I am the one who went out and bought this game. Mm. Uh, the good thing about the PS3 is that it's region free, so I just. I just got a copy from America for like um, like twenty five thirty bucks or something like that, and yeah. uh, and, and whacked it in there. Uh, I already had the Vita version, which I got quite cheap as well. But I wanted to uh, buy this version because number one, I wanted to review an Atlas game because mm. Atlas are always very uh, very stylized. I think it's fair to say, mm. uh, and you know, a more modern one rather than like the old. Ga- I have like old Atlas Game Boy games and stuff like that, of course. Sure. Yeah, uh, and like we both love Persona Four, but there's no way we could review that for the show realistically. Mm. Um, Catherine shits me to tears. <laughs> I love everything that happens around yes. that game, yes. but the gameplay itself, I just want to gouge my eyes out. So true. I, I just wish that it was just this like story based like. If it was a visual novel, it yeah. would work so much better. Totally for yes. that game. Yeah. Um. So so Dragon's Crown it was. Uh, I wouldn't mind playing a bit more with you because these are much more fun with two players. Yeah, I think I will play more with you. Yeah. Um, but overall, no, I don't recommend it. I recommend that you go play Tower of Doom or um, <laughs> Shadows of Mysteria, whatever the second one's called. Sure, yep. Uh, like the Capcom Dungeons & Dragons games are the perfect uh, level of RPG elements, beat-em-ups, yeah. uh, different paths that you can take uh, and leveling up your character, getting better weapons. It is just... They're just very satisfying, fun games to play. And they don't force you to go into menus or, like, repair your weapons and stuff like that. Like, exactly. In some ways, I think they put too much RPG into this game. I think they did, but it yeah. just wasn't integrated well. Like, they seem totally separate when you're hacking, slashing, and, like, beating them up. Mm. It's totally different from when you go into town and then have to repair your weapons and get them appraised so you know what they are and then, you know, either sell them or use them. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I wouldn't really recommend that you go out and play this game. If you uh, are into this genre mm. and you've got a mate that you want to play it with, go right ahead mm. if you want to. Mm. But, yeah, everything that we've said today just kind of makes me err on the side of, you know what, this isn't that important mm. to gaming history. It doesn't actually advance the genre as much as you might hope it would. Mm. Uh, and go play Capcom Dungeons & Dragons. So we got pretty deep and heavy into some of those topics without, like we said we weren't going to. Mm. We kind of touched on it anyway. Mm. The funny thing is that while all this was going on, for the first time in a while, mm. Maria, my wife, mm. uh, has been listening to our podcast and she uh, has been away for such a long time that she hasn't heard us. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, she's, she listens to the podcast or anything, because why would she? <laughs> she hears enough of my voice anyway. Uh, but we played this game before you came over yeah. today. So and you um, and your wife played. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she was not offended 
She just thought it was kind of funny and the gameplay was a bit repetitive. And of course, she doesn't speak for everyone in Japan, mm. but she wasn't offended at all by that. I think it's just like on a cultural level, it's like, yeah, like check out anime that shits all over the place. So. Yeah, there is a cultural perspective, a cultural element to all this that mm. we need to keep in mind that might explain, you know, why um, it caused a lot of controversy in the West, but perhaps not so much in, in Japan. So. Yeah. All right, with that, mm. uh, Robert... Yeah. You have been doing stuff that hasn't been gaming. No, that's right. I've been I've been in one of those moods that we all get into sometimes where games just don't um, appeal. You know, like you you think of it like, oh, I've got some time. Should I play a game? And you just go, nah, I want to do something else. Nah. You know? <laughs> so what I have been doing that I thought would be fun to talk about is I, I recently realized um, that the 90s animated series... Of the Tintin comic books. The Adventures of Tintin, the Adventures I do of believe Tintin. That, yeah. that series is called. Yep. Um, has been released on Netflix in full. So all the episodes are there. Two se- I think it's two seasons worth. And there's um, a whole lot of, of stuff to get through. I'm if not you sure. don't know yeah. who Tintin is. Maybe we should quickly explain that. No. A- no, I'm not explaining who Tintin is. You go out. <laughs> you read the books, damn it. The comic books, you should read them. They're by, they're, uh, by Hergé. Hergé, yes. is a Bel- Belgian... Uh, comic, uh, you know, graphic novelist. I, know I, I think, he, I think yeah. I'd, I'd almost call him an, an auteur. Yeah, in that sense, really, because he he's brilliant. Yeah, and these at books, what he did. These books start. It's funny. They started off as like a like an anti-communist thing, writing for a right-wing newspaper. Actually, oh yes, um, yes, I've read some of the early Tintin ones. Yeah, he gets shot a lot in the early comics. I, what I noticed watching this show is that he get he also gets bashed over the head and knocked unconscious <laughs> a hell of a lot. Like the back of his skull must be just like hanging together by a thread, because this like in one episode like three times, three times he got. Like smacked over the back of the head with a club or a, or a you know like a blackjack or a, or something. Yeah, so Chlor- chloroformed. <laughs> Tintin is a, a 1930s reporter. Yes, he's a reporter. Um, he's a boy reporter. He's yeah. a boy reporter with a dog called Snowy, and yeah. then uh, later on he meets Captain Haddock. Yes, he's like a recovering alcoholic. I'm not captain. sure he's recovering. <laughs> he's trying to recover, and Tintin seems to be trying to help him recover. Yeah, um, uh, I do love Captain Haddock. Yeah. Uh, look, it's it's just a cast of of, of brilliant adventurous comics set in that kind of interesting periods like yeah. uh, that a lot of Ghibli movies seem to be set in like kind of post World War One, pre-World War Two. Yeah. Kind of a lot of advances in like flight technology and, and all sorts of things. Yeah, it's an interesting thing and, and it is very much that that genre that's kind of dead now. Yeah. People keep trying to revive it though, the, the boys own adventure um, stuff. Like it's for boys, it's for young boys and you can really tell because um, there is no women in this in this in any of the books that are have any important role. The only female character that is prominent is an overweight opera singer who is depicted as being like extremely disgusting and annoying. And I think that's trying to appeal to like the prepubescent boy who just thinks girls are silly. And like, why would you want kissing in a book that's aimed at nine year old boys? You okay, know? so that's um, the thing that I think yeah. it's, it's 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 not that they ever call it silly. It's just mm. that it's ne- not depicted at all. Like Tintin never has a love interest. Captain Haddock yeah. never has a love. interest. And that's interest. what I'm saying is that if it was aimed at adult men, you would expect there to be a love interest somewhere. But yeah. the, but it's clearly aimed at, at young young boys because there's just zero you know love interests or romantic subplots or anything in, in any of the, the the stories but so the way this often goes yeah. is that you you start 
mm. by reading newspaper comics like uh, Garfield, Hagar, The Horrible, and then you notice this little thing called Asterix. Yeah, yeah. Asterix the Gaul. Um, brilliant, <clears throat> brilliant books. Yeah. And then after a while, you graduate yeah. from Asterix. And then you move on to Tintin, which is less funny, more exciting yeah, it's sort more, of thing. I would say, I would come down slightly differently. I would say that, like, Asterix in some weird ways is actually more adult than, than Tintin. I think it is in yeah. some ways. In some ways. I, I think yeah. in, in general story tone, I think uh, Tintin is less humorous, although it does have humor in it. It does have a few jokes, but it's more in that sense of, like, let's all laugh at the end of the of the story yeah. as, the, as it fades to black kind of thing, rather than, like genuinely trying to set out to be funny whereas Asterix sets out to be yeah. comedic so I'm talking about like prepubescent boys here like because yeah. you and I got into Asterix at the same time and then uh, lo and behold we got into Tintin yeah. at the same time as well our progression was very much what you described was Asterix like that's old hat Tintin's yeah. where it's at kind yeah. Of. yeah Tintin because um, is... they had the guns and stuff I mean this is the thing I wanted to get into this but maybe I'll talk about the show quickly yeah sure because um, I, I was struck by Uh, It raised a lot of thoughts as I was watching this. Because I'm watching this old show that was... You know, the original series came out in 1992. Hmm. Um, I remember it well. I was so looking forward to it. And I loved it. And as a kid, I... Freaking! I was glued to the screen every time mm. it came on. I watched it because I I loved the books, and one of, one of the things I really liked doing was seeing how they portrayed the books. Yeah. Um, and looking forward to the story beats and stuff that I already knew were coming, if you like. Um, so it was total fanboy stuff. Um, looking back now, watching it on a 1080p screen, yeah. Um, the animation quality is not super hot. Um, it's <laughs> like I will say, look, what they've gone for is to make it look like the comic and that means that it looks like it's hand drawn and it's and it's clearly all actually hand animated like there's no it's all cells yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's no, no cg no digital back then and that's awesome actually to see that because you, you don't see that so often on tv now mm. um but the actual in terms of just like number of frames for for particular scenes it's quite cheap there are some scenes where you can see they've they've spent more money or you know used more of their budget to make the um the scene look good like the, if you remember the um the uh, the seminal uh, uh, episode in Tintin, Red Rackham's Treasure. Oh yeah. The scene where he where Tintin is descending into the into the ocean in the shark shaped submarine, and and there's like jellyfish swimming by, and he discovers the the sunken pirate ship. Hmm. That particular sequence in the animated series looks really gorgeous, but a lot of the other stuff, like it's it's quite kind of. You can tell it's cheap. I think you, um, you can tell exactly which bits that they were going to use for the opening credits. Yeah. So, okay, so here's the thing. <clears throat> they actually tried to make this, and I've done a bit of research mm. on this prior mm. to this podcast even existing. Like, I just yeah. I just love animation. I'm a bit of an animation history buff. Sure. And uh, they did try to match uh, Hergé's particular style but not only that they tried to match his uh use of panels yeah as well so he was very famously quite unhappy with a lot of the composition of his panels but he kind of had to you know do them anyway and release them into the wild as it were Mm, mm. Uh, i think there's only one panel that he was ever happy with and that was like in i think it was red rackham's treasure where they're all coming ashore for the first time right and he goes that's the only panel i've ever been happy with in any of my stories (laughs) but uh like they tried to follow that but the problem is that animating a particular scene from that perspective can actually be quite troublesome yeah because uh there's no digital you can't really 
it's difficult to rotoscope him jumping from a train and then like going underneath him over the top of him and then seeing him land on something else yeah yeah and i think you can see that in 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 the, in the animated series in the sense mm. that you know um you can because i'm thinking about it constantly like okay that would have just been a still frame in a, in a comic book but now they've had to sort of make the characters move through it mm. and sometimes that works well and sometimes it doesn't but Overall, I was actually I really enjoyed it. I think I think it holds up pretty well. I will say one thing though, which is that it is really it's really crazy actually mm-hmm. to see how much adult stuff is in that is in those those shows yeah. that just would not fly today. I mean, in, okay, in the grand year of two thousand eighteen, you and yeah. I have kids. Yeah, my kids are a little older than yours, so mm. I've watched a heck of a lot of. Um, children's TV um, in the last couple of years, like a heck of a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's really striking to, to, to see what's going on in Tintin. Um, and they, to be fair, this show is aimed probably at like 10-year-old kids. It's not aimed at like six-year-olds or two-year-olds. Or no, no, no. It, it's aimed yeah. at like, at the, as you said, like the kind of the, the pubescent, prepubescent kind of boys. Yeah. And, and, you know, girls who might find that stuff interesting as well. But yeah. it was predominantly, like, aimed. Like, Hergé became, like, a big celebrity. Mm. Uh, and his work was kind of used as propaganda a lot in the early days. Mm. Like, um, Yeah, there was obviously the, the anti-communist stuff. Yeah. Um, he was heralded in in Belgium and France mm. as, as, like, this great anti-communist like and people were chanting at him at like the railway stations din 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 because they love the story so much yeah and it's also the the, the notorious Tintin in Africa which is basically like a uh, a justification for Belgian like colonization of Africa yeah so it's really story's fucked up it's really messed up I don't want to get into it no Um, but Yes. There's Let's just say Tintin educates them in, in the way of civil of Western civilization. <laughs> it's not good. Um, um, yeah. So uh, the first official story that from the West, from like the English speaking perspective is Tintin in America. Yeah. Uh, and even in the cartoon, they cut a lot of that out. Mm. Like on the original um, cover of that book, mm. it, it it's him being almost burned at the stake by um, Native Americans. Na- Native Americans who yeah. I think are actually called Redskins in the book or something. Yeah. Uh, and the, and in the cartoon they've just cut that out entirely, mm. I think, because by the nineties they knew what was acceptable and what wasn't to a certain extent. But it's funny to see like even from the nineties to now, yeah. I mean, this is twenty six years later. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's, so that's a lot has changed. But it's and and look, I just want to get through some of the stuff I I, I had written down about because I've taken notes because I'm so excited to talk about it that I've written a whole bunch of notes. Um, first of all, it's really messed up to see how much of a raging alcoholic Captain Haddock <laughs> actually is, and and also how like the tragicness of that sailed over my head as a kid. Um, I, I think that to be fair, they didn't depict him as this tragic figure. But any once you're once you're 36 year old and you've known people who've like you know addicted to drugs or have died from drug addiction and alcoholism and stuff like that, to see this character who's like who's like literally like shaking in certain scenes because he's like so like desperate to have a drink, um, it's like wow he's like a messed up dude you know like it's kind of crazy right that that I mean think about think of that being on TV now how crazy that would be to have like an alcoholic as a character in a children's show right. Other things, um, Calculus, Professor Calculus, my, probably my favourite character. 
as the best comedic character in the show. Yeah, he's 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 the, he's the, the brains of a lot of things, but he's also deaf as a post, so and he always misinterprets e- e- like pretty much everything yeah. anyone ever says. And in retrospect, watching the Tintin last night, it dawned on me that this what this character is is basically laughing at someone who's disabled. Yep. <laughs> um, and again, would that fly in today's climate? Definitely not. You know. No. But there's other. There's, it just it made me think about that. Like another scene. There's another scene where like a shark tries to bite Captain Haddock's hand when he's yeah. like trailing his hand in 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 the water on this like a uh, rowboat and what's captain haddock's reaction get a gun and shoot that bastard you know <laughs> and he tries to shoot it and the bullet bounces off because it turns out it's it's the the submarine that's shaped like a shark but the point is murdering wildlife right again and something that wouldn't fly but then it turned my mind to like well a lot of stuff that was considered acceptable for children when you and i were kids um let's not talk about like the 30s and 40s but let's talk about the 80s and 90s yeah, yeah. this stuff was we were exposed to this stuff was pretty raw like like let's talk about Warner Brothers for a minute there's like dogs smoking cigars and gambling and like people getting shot in the face just not even punched but like shot in the face with shotguns I actually watched a bit of Ren and Stimpy recently yeah. and that, that kind of personifies that sort of thing yeah I suppose our childhoods were rad and kids are missing out, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Like, you say that. But yeah. there's, there's stuff like... But the kids are still watching stuff like Rick and Morty, even though it's rated like M or something like that. True. They're still watching it's it. Still you out know there. that they, these kids are still watching I that I think the difference is that back then my parents were like, I'm going to get a VHS of Bugs Bunny cartoons and plonk my six-year-old son in front of it and walk away. And I'm watching like Bugs Bunny cross-dress and like watching Elmer Fudd get shot in the face and watching like... You know, and like, like there's this scenes with like morphine, and there's like characters drinking from big bottles with four X's written on it, so you know that it's moonshine, and like, it's crazy how like that was considered fine, and now it's not, you know. And I think my, I think it's just I feel a little bit sorry for kids these days because they're not being exposed to all this messed up, <laughs> messed up. But it's stuff. still out there. That's the thing. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure like kids still know who you know, like. Bugs Bunny are and stuff like that. You know, mm. those things are still available and they're still out there and kids can still have the opportunity to watch them. It's just not as prevalent or as in your face as it used to be. I guess not, no. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, like I, I really did like Tintin the Animated Series. I have it on DVD. Mm. Um, what I, I did want to mention about that is that they stuck as closely as they could to the original Hergé stories. Mm. And what's interesting about that is that because of some of the uh, more sensitive Mm. or, you know, even just like the story was just not that interesting, some books were made into uh, two episodes. I really want to talk about this as well. Mm. Thank you for bringing this up. Yes. And some books were only made into one episode. So Tintin in America, which I think would have been the pilot because I'm pretty sure they did them in order. There were three seasons, 39 episodes. The, uh, so... Netflix may not have the full picture, but the, the first episode on Netflix was The Crab with the Golden Claws, and it was a two-parter. Uh, okay. So they get right... Like, straight away, they introduce Haddock. There's not much without Haddock. That may yeah. have been the case, actually. Yeah. They may they may have gone out of sequence. I, I may have been misremembering this. Yeah. Um, but that makes more sense, because then you can... If you introduce him out of the gate, yeah. then if you go back when he's not in an adventure, it doesn't matter so much. Mm. But um, a lot of these were too episodes for one story yeah and that's the best i'm going to jump in yeah that is my preferred way of doing it yeah and because they're so jam-packed like to give you some backstory on my experience with tintin i only ever owned two tintin books i read a lot of them but i only ever owned two one of them was red rackham's treasure which i loved yeah um read it a thousand times 
Um, and it's a very slow paced story with a lot of events happening on basically they, they're going out to find buried treasure yeah. right on a boat and that boat journey back and forth takes up most of the book and yeah. there's a lot of stuff that happens on the boat um, that's fairly minor but it's like it's pacing right it's about it's about the pacing and the building up of momentum and that is one of the episodes where they only gave it they only one of the um, episodes of the show they only gave it one episode they, yeah. so they cut out a lot of what they th- I assume they thought was just filler which in retrospect probably is um, but it left me as a kid and still now with a very sour taste in my mouth because that's one of my favorite books and they kind of like skipped over a lot of stuff and cut a lot of stuff out and it, and it still burns me today that they that they did that I um, think what has happened with a lot of those episodes mm. is that um, so Red Rackham's Treasure is kind of the second book yes in like The Secret of the Unicorn is the first one that is two episodes yes and I think the most they could do because they obviously had a certain amount of episodes they could do per season so yeah. they had a certain amount of money yeah, yeah. so they had to write it so this the journey to find the treasure is more important than the treasure. Mm. Like The Secret of the Unicorn is, I think, a much better book than Red Rackham's Treasure. Yeah, I think you're right. I think looking and back, that deserved yeah. to be two, so they went one. And it was it was the same with uh, Destination Moon and mm. um, what was it? Uh, Explorers on the Moon. Yeah. Which is where they, you know, go to the moon. Like Tintin, first man on the moon, just saying. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so you think you're right. They did two episodes for Destination Moon. And then, and then one, one episode for actu- the actual like journey. explorers on the moon, yeah, yeah, and and because the it's that earlier episode that has more of the intrigue and like Tintin stuff, like people getting chloroformed and like secret passages and all that kind There's of. There's so much chloroform There's in Tintin. A lot, a lot of chloroform. Everyone has a jar of yeah, chloroform just, in their apartment. They're handing it out like candy back then. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So look, that another one of my gripes. But I think that's unique to me because I had this weird deep love for Red Rackham's Treasure that most mm. people wouldn't have. Yeah, I certainly um, don't have that. I think it's because yeah. you owned the book. Yeah, and I read it a thousand times, etc. Yeah. yeah, so anyway, I've been enjoying that, but it has made me think a lot about, um, like, for example, I thought, when would I show this to my kid? Because I want to. Yeah. But like, when's the right age and stuff like that? Well, and, no, and even if yeah. you do show it, she might not like it at any age. Yeah, she just might, might not be her thing. The other thing is that like, it is kind of, because it's hand drawn, and they were going, they were making it look like Hergé's yeah. drawings. It looks cr- kind of crude, especially when you compare it to like the three D animated DreamWorks stuff that my kid is mainly watching, which is like very slick yeah. and, and very like you know smooth and just perfect in a way, um, polished. Uh, it is not probably polished. kind of be like us going back to the Jetsons or yeah. uh, the Flintstones or something. Like, yeah. sure, you can watch it, but it's kind of shitty. Yeah, you'd be like, mm. yeah. <laughs> so, um, a lot of thoughts coming out from watching Tintin, but I'm going to keep watching it. it. It is a very good series. I like. I highly recommend reading Tintin mm. rather than watching it. Yeah, but, definitely. But if you want to watch it and it's on Netflix, go right ahead because I think they captured the spirit. Yeah. Uh, and they got away with as much as they could. Totally. I don't, I don't know why, but the one thing that, like, Tintin's voice actor is really good. Yeah. Yes, I want to say this. Haddock voice actor is awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty much, like, steals the show in every episode. And yeah. it, it sticks in your mind. Uh, Tintin mm. has this kind of prepubescent but still kind of tough voice. Yeah. Kind of, it's like um, Mickey Mouse with balls. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. It is kind of like that. I can't yeah. do an imitation, um, but I just always... The one thing that... Uh, the, the one reoccurring enemy in the first kind of... 
kind, you know, mm. the first kind of half dozen or dozen is um, is Rastapopoulos. Yeah, and just every time he comes across him, goes Rastapopoulos. <laughs> this kind Rastapopoulos. of Rastapopoulos. Yeah, I just always remember the way he said that because I think I always read it differently in my mind. Our, our, our Australian accents are going to mangle it, but I, th- I really thought that that Haddock was really great and the Thompson twins the actors the voice actors for them are really good as well really really good are they separate are they the same actor or are they separate actors I don't know it might be the same voice actor doing both that would be even more impressive so we should probably stop talking about Tintin although I don't really want to Game Uh, Life Tintin (laughs) I will end on this the Thompson twins Thompson Mm -hmm. and Thompson are, are not twins Right, in they the, are not actually related at all. So in the Pouget fr- has come in the Belgian version. They're not. They're not. Uh, no, no. I think they still called the twins sometimes, mm. but Pouget uh, came out and said they're not related. They just, just a, they just basically copied each other's looks. Are they? Are they? A, is, this is. I'm gonna one more thing about Tintin. Then we'll move on. All right. Are they a joke on British people? Is that is that what it is? I don't know. Because they uh, wear bowler hats and they're kind of like idiots. And I, you know, a lot of like Asterix was laughing at British people and. I wonder whether this is another sort of like, like I don't continental think jab. So. I yeah. don't. I, I think. I think it was a more a laugh at like it was kind of a Keystone Cops sort of yeah, thing, like, like incompetent. Po- yeah, yeah, incompetent uh, police officers because they were they were detectives. Yeah, a lot of the jokes is around their and terrible the, outfits. They, they, they're just disguises that they, yeah. that they pick, which just they stand out like a sore thumb wherever they, they are. Some and, of them are terribly, terribly racist, but you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could keep going on about Tintin because there's so much to say about it, but yeah. we should probably move on. No, so no games for you? Uh, no. Look, I've been playing more of Rome Total War, but I've talked about that game enough <laughs> for this podcast, <laughs> I think. Um, all right, what about you, AC? You've been gaming it up or living it up? Or I've been living it up. Uh, so Maria and May mm. uh, have finally returned from Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was... I've just been so busy. Just... They came home. Mm. Uh, and they came home with Maria's aunt and uncle, and it was great to to see them mm. uh, and spend some time with them. Uh, we're very close to them. They don't have any kids, so I think they've kind of, uh, in many ways, adopted Maria <laughs> as their daughter that never was. Uh, and uh, now that, unfortunately, Maria's uh, parents have both both passed, um, you know, they've really stepped in to a certain extent, uh, and they really love May. And they really love drinking as well. So they bought like over a buttload of <laughs> nice of sake and Japanese whiskey. So it was great hanging out with them mm. and just kind of, just kind of, I don't know, like showing them our life here in yeah. Australia. Yeah. Uh, we took them to the airport on Monday uh, and, and said goodbye. We had this one day of nice kind of blissful we were by ourselves for the first time. Mm. Uh, so we took May to the aquarium. Yeah. Um, so for all those who don't know, May is sight impaired, mm. uh, but she has enough visual uh, continuity to be able to recognize colors and the vaguest of... She can see movement, basically. Sure, yeah. So she did actually love the aquarium because she could see the blues and, like, the shining lights and, the, you know, the, 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 ver- the vague shapes of the fishes swimming past and she was able to point and name colors so i think she really enjoyed it cool she was so tired by the end of that right like there's yeah. this there's this lovely room at the end mm. like it's kind of like theater seating where you can actually just go up into this massive you know glass screen where all the fish are kind of swimming and you can see clearly and they was just kind of pressed up against that for a while it's very very cute <laughs> uh, that's the best uh and then the next day uh uh maria had some tests done i need to get some tests done as well to see where the condition came from sure because um, we still don't know, mm. despite many, many tests. So we're getting tested next. 
And unfortunately, Maria had a really bad reaction oh, to no. the fluoride they pumped her with um, oh, no. to take a look at the back of her eyes. So I had to take basically the entire rest of the week off work to look after May because she doesn't have childcare because she's been away for three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it was actually really nice to spend a lot of time with May, just yeah. me and May after like so many months of just like abject busyness mm. and uh you know all the all the bad luck we've been having and poor maria was just sick in bed for two days oh, <laughs> i felt so bad what, for a, her. Run. what a run she's had honestly yeah it's yeah. not hasn't been great but at least she's she's rested she's better now mm. um may is a bit grumpy <laughs> now and again how old is she now she's uh 20 months yeah uh, she's, she's she's very much coming to her own mm. kind of personality, yeah, which is good. Uh, and I've enjoyed spending so much time with her, but um, she, we've had to wean her as well recently because right. uh, because you know it was because of the fluoride. Uh, she can no longer um, partake in the boobies. <laughs> I just wanted to say that one more time. The boobs, yeah. So, she, like, most of the time she's okay, but sometimes yeah. she just cracks it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It's, like it's like a smoker quitting cigarettes, right? But yeah. yeah, it's kind of like that. But the thing is that she's so adorable, even when she cracks it. Like, she's just doing doing fine, doing fine, doing fine. Then she'll just, just kind of, like, just go nuts. And I'm just going, she's still so adorable. Oh, look at her running around like that. I will say, like, this is, like, the... This is high praise because of the, um, the way that parents see their kids like i think my kid's voice is super cute yeah. but i think may's voice is even cuter yeah well it's high it's more high pitched <laughs> mm. so it's like even more adorable you know in some ways she's got that japanese twang yeah. as well like she's she learned a lot of japanese overseas yeah. uh, and like she knows more japanese than english and i'm my bad habit is that i keep talking to her in japanese mm. um because it's i find it to be a much cuter language right um, but I really need to start talking to her more in English. Sure, sure, to build up the... So you're, de- you're definitely going to go for the bilingual thing. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. such a good gift to give your kid, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And, and she'll really need it as well. Like, um, I think, I think <clears throat> you know, she'll she'll grow up. And she already loves uh, the NHK programs, which is their, the Japanese equivalent of the ABC. Right, yeah. Kind of like the play schools and, and all that sort of stuff. And she loves all that. So. Sure, okay. So it's, it's, it's really good. And those songs are very cute. Uh, so I just like, there's so much work to do at work, Mm. but I just couldn't get in there at all. And I feel like so guilty. And then I went, okay, Monday, I'm just going to go in there. I'm going to do so much work. And oh, Monday's a public holiday. It's like the one time I didn't want a public holiday. And it's like, (laughs) I really need, I've got so much to do. Yeah. It's kind of stressing me out a bit. You're going to cram so much work into those four days, man. I have to. Like, that's the thing. I literally don't have a choice. You're going to be ruined by next weekend as well. I really, really will be. So uh, that was good. Um, uh, I, let's see. Um, We have actually purchased a new car. Right, okay. So the old car was, it's an SUV. It's too big for us. We don't need a car that big. And it wasn't that comfortable for us either. Uh, I didn't like driving it. Marie didn't really like driving it that much. Mm. So we decided to just go in and get a car that we actually, look, would last us a while. So we actually ended up getting a Camry Hybrid. Okay. Uh, We haven't picked it up yet, but, uh, you know, we've done pretty much everything we need to do to get it. And... 
I'm just kind of relieved that we're going to have a smaller, more reliable car because the car I have now, mm. it's like a, a Mazda Tribute mm. uh, SUV. It's thirsty. Mm. It is a thirsty car. Like yeah, it's got a 60-litre yeah. tank, mm. maybe 65-litre tank. Yeah. And you only get like 350 to 400 kilometers out of it mm. of yeah. city driving. So it's just, it's not very efficient. So, yeah. And you guys aren't going off road much <laughs> or at all. No, so. it was very useful to get stuff into the house when we first moved in here. Sure. But we don't need a car that big anymore. So we're, we're kind of downsizing and it's yeah. a very, very comfortable car. Yep. So I'm kind of looking forward to having something that's nice to drive rather than an abject pain in the ass to kind of maneuver. And the hybrid should be pretty fuel efficient. So, Oh, yeah. I reckon it's going to get about a thousand kilometers to one tank of petrol. Nice. Which is just brilliant. That sounds very good. Yeah, considering how much petrol we've been using on the other car. I, mean, I went from driving a Jazz to driving a Camry, like not a hybrid. Hmm. Um, and... Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of like amazed at just how much, how often I have to refill this darn thing, and it's just and it's not even a particularly gas guzzling car, but just like it's it's amazing what you can get used to, um, and I, I do constantly think like man, if I had a if I had choice, which I don't, but yeah. if I did, I would get a very small, very fuel efficient car, and who cares if I don't look super manly or whatever because money is more important to me than looking super manly <laughs> and i never looked super manly much to begin with so you know. how many kilometers did you get for the jazz for a tank of petrol oh god i don't know i, I kilometers i can't I, I don't work in kilometers but we only had to fill it up maybe like like once a fortnight wow okay you know um whereas this car like the the camry i'm only ferrying my daughter around like from childcare and mm. stuff like, and occasionally driving to Canberra once once or twice um, and I'm putting in like 50 bucks a week into this thing. Wow. Yeah. Or, or more, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a fuel efficient car. No, um, Camry's, though that particular model Camry is not, like they're not bad, but yeah. they're not. 50 bucks I think might be an exaggeration, but like yeah. it's probably more like 70 a fortnight yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Curious, <clears throat> like I have this thing, I never talk about cars on the podcast, <laughs> but uh, like it should be noted that my brother, my younger brother, uh, is a, a very accomplished mechanic. Mm-hmm. He is uh, an excellent, excellent mechanic. He uh, restores cars all the time. Mm-hmm. He's brilliant. And so is my dad. They're both I- incredibly gifted at what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of, I can talk about cars a lot because mm-hmm. I kind of grew up with them. Yeah. And, you know, I still talk to my brother a lot about them and stuff like that. But it kind of skipped me. Like, I'm just not into cars. Like, the way they're into cars, I'm into consoles. Yeah. Like, because it's not just playing them and, like, driving them in their case. It's like they want to fix them up and want to know what's how it works under the hood. And I'm the same kind of way. Like, I want to open these things up and see yeah. see what's what and who's who. You know, can I repair it? It's like you're built from the same mold, but your interests are different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a mechanical mind in me. And I can I know enough about cars that I can, you know, rudimentary fix them and probably at least tell you what the problem is. Mm. Um, but I, I I don't like talking about it, but sometimes there's that little bit inside me that goes, that sees a car and goes, yeah, <laughs> a 1928 Willys Whippet Overland. Now that's a car. <laughs> Great for pulling the birds. <laughs> oh, look, they, that thing boasted like, you know, you, this can go 80 kilometers an hour. Yeah, down a vertical salt mine, maybe. <laughs> There's a guy walking in front of it with a flag. <laughs> the great thing about those vintage cars is that they had running boards like, yeah. to get into. It's so cool watching the old movies where like they'll be like, go get them, boys. And they'll like hop on the running boards. Yeah. And- 
And we used to do that when I was young, because as you know, like my dad restored those old cars, mm. and we, we, you and I used to do that down the, like to the end of the street and back on the I side of the I, running board. I can vaguely recall that. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy. I have a few memories of, of hopping in a vintage car and, and enjoying those times. So, so uh, other <clears> than that, gaming, I haven't really done a lot either. Uh, I feel a bit ashamed of myself. I, um, I did get Maria Dragon's Quest Eleven. Mm. Uh, for Christmas. And that's only in Japanese at the moment, I do believe. Okay. Uh, she actually already had it on Nintendo 3DS, and oh. I got her the PS4 version, which is a bit different. Okay. Uh, so I've been watching her play that, which is fascinating, mm. because I don't like RP, like JRPGs that much. Mm-hmm. So this is like the best way to experience it, is like Maria playing and me watching and chatting and talking to her at the same time. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I don't like about that series is that the um, the art is all done by Toriyama Akira, which is the Dragon Ball guy. Okay. And it has a very particular style, Dragon mm. Ball. Yeah. Like, you, you always know that it's Dragon Ball. Yes. I don't like that style. Mm. It's this kind of like, they're kind of, kind of elongated, kind of weird shaped eyes. I'm just not a fan of it. Okay. And... Like, this is very much in that style. And I keep looking at it going, oh, that look, looks exactly the same as, like, Kid Goku. That looks like the same as Buruma and stuff like that. Right. So, okay. I, I don't... Like, I can watch it and it's fine. It's just that little thing at the back of my head that goes, eh, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> I, I wish these guys looked different. Yeah, just... Yeah. Like more generic anime, less. But I know that that style has been popular since the very first... Uh, Dragon Quest because he designed those characters. Sure, so, yeah. so I understand why they would never abandon that because it's part of the mythos. Yep. But at the same time, I don't know. I just, I think it comes from my... Look, if you like Dragon Ball... Are you snooty about Dragon Ball, I say? <laughs> I'm not going to say snooty. I'm just going to say that I don't like it. I, I don't like the writing i don't like the animation style sure the very first time i saw dragon ball not zed or anything like that i just went this is a ripoff of monkey yes um because it of course and and all of these stories monkey dragon ball Mm. basically almost every japanese story ever is based off journey to the west yeah yeah that's right uh classic novel uh and i know that Yep. I didn't know that at the time, but it bugged me to a certain yeah. extent. And I think, like, when I saw finally saw some Dragon Ball Z, oh, God, that was the worst thing I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Do you know what I should raise at this point, and I'm not sure whether you know this or not already, but there is a new Monkey Magic ser- series, TV show, uh-huh. and it's made in Australia or oh. New Zealand. Yes, or it's an Australian-New Zealand combo, I think. I think it's an Australian-New Zealand production. And it's literally like, yes, we're going to do Monkey Magic again, but in 2018. With Australian New Zealand. I haven't watched it yet. I'm kind of scared to watch it. Kind of interested. But I hope they do it good because, man, like, but it won't ever be the same. It won't ever be the same. No, it won't. You and I grew up on Monkey. Yeah. And I loved that so much. I still do love it in a weird way. Uh, We should should probably end this. Yes. Um, Listen, I do have a quiz for you, Ace. You do have a quiz. And just remember that the nature of Monkey was (laughs) irrepressible. So we, between each segment here on the show, mm-hmm. we take a break. Yes. And because we got onto the topic of monkey, yes. we have just spent the last half an hour talking about monkey. 
easily between done. Yeah. yeah. And like we always think, oh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna jump into the next segment straight away, and maybe have a glass of water or something like that. But no, no, it was just half a minute, an hour of pure monkey talk. Yeah, because that is an awesome television show. Definitely. So it's hard. It's hard to pull my head out of the monkey magic world and like bring it back to reality, but. I do have a quiz here that I think is super real (laughs) in a way, AC. Okay. Because this is a quiz about video games that have been banned in Australia. Okay. Okay. So um, I was sort of inspired in the sense by like all the controversy around Dragon's Crown. I was just pitching around trying to think of different quizzes to do. Um, Some of them I thought of and then in retrospect realized that's probably not a good idea for a quiz. Like you know, video game boobs or something like that. It's just going to get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> what cup is she? <laughs> but so I, I came down to this idea of like, yeah, so, so all the games, so I'm going to read out game names. Mm-hmm. They're all real games. Okay. I want you to tell me whether they were banned in Australia. Um, note that some of the games on this list were initially banned, but then re, they're re-released in a sense. So are we talking about the original? Yeah, was the original version of this game banned in okay. Australia or not? All right, cool. So okay. just just to let people out there know, Australia has a pretty used to have a pretty strict rating rule where mm. MA rather than R rated, like restricted, was the the highest rating you could go. Yeah, and so they wouldn't let a lot of stuff in, and like eventually it was so stupid and outdated because people would just pirate pirate it off the internet anyway. Yeah, exactly. So it was kind of dumb. Yeah, so eventually we got over it. I think it's interesting to note though that just before we get into the quiz, um, there are still two things that will get a game um, not rated in Australia, which means it, which means it can't be sold. Hey, and hey that Rob, is, Rob, is yeah. it the boobies? <laughs> Do you tell me it's the boobies? Uh, it's not, not anything as fun as that, unfortunately. It's sexual violence. So okay. rape or anything, anything, anything like rape is probably going to get a ban unless unless it's like... like Contextualized? Uh, yeah. But if it's just like, hey, here's a rape scene, like that might actually get mm, a ban still. Okay. The other thing is um, any anything that, that depicts drug use as being cool or fun. So you can like any scene, like a scene where you take drugs and then bad things happen, they'll let it fly. A scene where you take drugs and you get points for it, or a good, or there's a good outcome. You know, like maybe you wake up the next day and go, "Hey, that was pretty fun. I'll do it again." Like, no, they'll they'll ban that. Ah. So, so okay, so right. those two things. Um, good, that's good to know. Yeah. So, but anyway, Australia kind of known for being. Um, pretty conservative let's say about video games um, which is only our government because no one in 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 australia who plays video games is really that conservative about them no but everyone else is really worried that we're going to become mass murderers or something so with that in mind 10 questions um yeah let me know whether this game has been banned in australia or okay sure question number one let's start with a humdinger yep bmx triple x banned correct correct it was later released as in a censored version um, a lot of my thinking around these games is like, who would want to play the censored version, really? But uh, there you go. Yeah, I've heard uh, of that game. It's not particularly good in either form. No, no. I mean, I'm not saying it's a great game or anything. No, none, none of these probably. Uh, I don't know. Mm, some of them are like sort of questionable. All right. Uh, question number two. Leisure Suit Larry, colon, Magna Cum Laude. That's the Leisure Suit Larry from the 2000s, not from not the early. Okay, not the early ones, yep. not the Sierra ones. No. Okay, because I know that the Sierra ones were released in Australia. Mm. Uh, I'm going to say that wasn't banned. No, that was banned. It was. Yes. Oh, point to you. Yes. I'm not sure why. I wish I had the facts in front of me. I probably should have had the facts in front of me. I mean, Leisure Suit Larry was always one of those, like, more funny than... 
Like, yeah. It was like, you know, 11 and 12 year old boys would love playing that game and brag to their friends that they got some quote in the yeah. game. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it was not very around. Which is the, the whole idea is like this short guy who looks a bit like John Belushi is trying to get his end away, basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with limited success. Uh, question number three, Postal 2. Uh, look, I know what that game is. Hmm. This is this is like I'm going to say it wasn't banned. It was banned. It was. It was. It? Okay. it was. Um, no surprise really because they kind of went out of their way to make the game that game as offensive as possible. Yeah. See, that's the thing. That's why mm. I thought they kind of went. This is so stupid and over the top. <laughs> nobody would play it or even care that much. But I guess I'm wrong. Yeah. I don't know. I, I full disclosure. I I I flouted the laws of this great country and played Postal Two pirated version <gasps> back in the day back when i was about 23 okay um and at that time i thought it was hilarious <laughs> looking back on it now probably probably wouldn't have the same opinion about nah, that game. it's not a great game um you smoke crack to gain health question okay, yeah there's four. one of there's one of those things that i've forgotten about the game that <laughs> question, probably would have tipped me off question number four ac uh mafia 2 mafia 2 uh, Mafia 2 colon Mafia 2 no, I wish there was a colon It sounds like there ought to be one But no They just went up Mafia 2 Not banned Not banned Correct Yes um, There was nothing in there That, that made them want to ban it Apart from you know Organised crime And selling drugs And shooting people in the face And stuff But hey That's all That's all fine That's just Canberra As long as there ain't no <laughs> Anyway <laughs> Question number 5 <laughs> Question number 5 I was going to get myself in trouble there Saints Row 4 Not banned no, it was banned. It was. Oh, man. And it, was, it was re-released in a censored version. See, all of these things that you're saying is like, I know did come to Australia in some form. Yeah. So I'm guessing that it wasn't, but it obviously was in its initial form, which is interesting. And I think it was drug references for that one. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the Saints Row series. Look, like, I know that some of the latter ones were fun, but mm. I mean, it all seemed kind of very meh to me. It, yeah. Look. My very short review, um, the first two games seem to be pretty much just rip-offs of GTA. They came into their own with um, Saints Row the Third, which was very much its own thing. And yeah. It was really funny. Um, and then Saints Row 4, and from that point on, I lost interest because they took it too far. All right, question number six. Duke Nukem Forever. Not banned. Not banned. Correct. Correct. Although arguably one of the worst <laughs> games. We're talking about bad games for women. That's probably up there as like the number one. Um, but yes, they let that one fly. So originally, the uh, Duke Nukem 3D did have some strippers and stuff in there, and I yeah. think that was released in Australia in a censored form. But yeah. you could go to a local software yeah. place called Boomerang Software mm-hmm. and just get like a, a 3.5 inch floppy that would just like add a patch that would take away the censorship. Yeah, nobody had a problem with that apparently. Yeah, yeah. Buy a disc for a dollar, get the full version. So, yeah, Junior Can Forever. Um, there's some really creepy stuff in that game. But, yeah, they totally were like, yep, that's fine. Wave it through. Yep. Question- Nobody's going to play it anyway. <laughs> totally right. Um, question number seven. The Witcher 2. Not banned. No, it was banned initially. Oh, yes. And no. they, they re-released a censored version. Mm. There was some sort of sex scene that they took offense to. Yeah, on a horse or something, was it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not, I, I'm I'm not, not with a horse, on a horse. <laughs> I could be thinking of the third one. Wow, horseback know. sex. That's I hadn't even thought of that as a, as a thing you could even do, but there you go. We were um, in Scouts. We know the score. <laughs> I was only there for a couple of weeks. <laughs> um, question number Your eight. horse couldn't take it, Rob. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> it was just too, it was too hot for him. Um, question number eight. South Park, colon, the stick of truth. Not banned. 
No, it was banned, and ah. they released the censored version. God damn it! I'm terrible at this. I really thought I was going to do really well at this quiz, but no. uh, you you're already five. I'm at only three. So this one, I actually know why it was um, banned. Um, there was some sort of like sexual assault on a minor in the original version. So. Ah, yeah, that'd do it. Fair enough. Right? Yeah, fair enough. Um, you know, South Park. Haha, it's all funny. It's that South Park humor, right? So so gold. Um, anyway, question number nine. <laughs> I have mixed feelings about South Park, let's say. Uh, question number nine. Call of Duty, colon, Modern Warfare 2. <sighs> Not banned. Correct. Yes. I wonder whether you know about this, but that was the infamous No Russian. Um, uh, the game with the, the level where you commit a mass a massacre in an in a airport. Yep. Um, not banned. No. Not, I... even, not, even, not even banned and then re-released. They were like, yep, that's fine. <laughs> So, it is what it is. So double standards, maybe, or whatever. Um, question number 10, wrapping it all up. Dead or alive, colon, extreme beach volleyball. Okay. Is this the, what year was this released? Uh, let me look it up. But it was, it was, it was, <laughs> we're talking like mid 2000s here. Oh, okay. So not the, not, not the, the recent one. Not the recent one. Okay. No. Um, I'm going to say not banned. Correct. Not banned. So that's a draw. Five okay, inch. five, five. I thought I'd do a bit better on that one, actually. But, yeah. Um, I was happy to draw it at the end. Mm. There is some interesting ones in there, though. Yeah. Like, that, that I knew did come out in Australia, but obviously I didn't know that they were censored. I think, look, to be fair, I just want to leave this with leave us with thinking about the fact that a, a, a level where you gun down hundreds of innocent civilians, totally fine. Bit of boobs, no. No. <laughs> Smoking crack, definitely, definitely not. I mean, Postal <laughs> 2 was like was asking for it, but... No, Postal 2 knew what it was trying to be. They were causing controversy. Well, I mean, that, that's the only way that that game ever sold any copies, really. Yeah, like, totally. It was not a good game. But yeah, there's interesting stuff. But look, this is the era... Um, the, that, there's a bygone era now. Now everything can come along as long as it doesn't have, um, you know, rape or, or encouraging drug use, which is most, most games don't have those things, so... Yeah, there you go. Well, that's the end of episode 54 of Game Life Balance Australia. Uh, AC, why don't you read out that old copy, my mate? Here's the copy. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Game Life Balance Australia, the Australian edition, full like Rossi, of the Game Life Balance podcast. You can visit us at, on the web. At the web? On the web? You can visit us at the web. Yeah, why not? Like, there's a, there's a bus that the 31 bus goes straight to the web. You just get off. Boy, do you get off. That's right. <laughs> Secret knock will let you in the door. And, uh, You've got to knock with your wang, though. You get a few flights of steps, get past the armed guards, <laughs> and then you'll be at our website, which is gamelifebalanceaustralia.com. Uh, look, there's podcast feeds. Uh, Rob writes some brilliant descriptions of the show. Yes. So even if you get like an RSS feed that downloads it automatically, I would still encourage you to go to the website and see what Rob writes down. Yeah. Because it's pretty good a lot of the time. And like, sometimes Rob's like horribly depressed and just goes, I don't know, stuff happened this episode. AC's a fucking dick. (laughs) There have been been some like very passive aggressive show notes in the past. (laughs) I do love the show notes. Yeah. Um, So you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Prod Tally. Mm -hmm. And we also have our official Twitter feed, GLB Australia, which is being looked after by intern Chad. Yes, Chad's doing a fine job. (laughs) We broke his legs the other day, so he couldn't escape the office. (laughs) That's right, yeah. It's all of those work for our interns. So if you see a tweet that just says, help, 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 here is my location, uh, don't believe it. Just ignore that. Yeah, just don't worry about that. Chad's just a bit of a crybaby. Just flag that as inappropriate. (laughs) Maybe report it to Twitter. (laughs) 
<laughs> be my advice. Uh, look, rate us on iTunes. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your family. Beat up your little brother. I don't know. This. <laughs> um, Go play Dragon's Crown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>